Welcome to the latest ATP podcast. I'm Seb Lozier and this week the best players in the world have been battling it out in Toronto at the National Bank Open presented by Rogers. Coming up we'll hear from one of the tournament's surprise packages, Alejandro Davidovic for Kina, eternally popular Frenchman Gael Monfils and two Americans, Tommy Paul and JJ Wolf. But first to the final where Italy's Yannick Sinner made it third time lucky and finally clinched a Maiden Masters 1000 title, beating Alex de Minaur in the showpiece match. Sitting down in the build-up, our reporter Ersin Kaderis asked him all about his inspirations. I was a skier, as, as you know, so and I also know Lindsay Vonn a little bit, so obviously her career is has showed a lot of hard work and, and, and passion, uh, a lot of comebacks. Um, obviously, she had many, many surgeries and injuries so, and, and all that stuff. So if I have to choose one, I might, I might choose hers. Um, I also read the book of, of um, Zlatan, um, which is also a very good story, a really nice book. And um, But there are so, so many. You know, um, LeBron James. Uh, I'm not following so much basketball, but it's it's it is nice. I also start now a little bit to play golf, oh, but, yeah. uh, but I'm not watching golf. Uh, Are you play. good at it? So bad, <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Yeah. But um, I will. Let's talk from now on in one year. Uh, then we we'll see. Right. How I'll ask you in one year yeah. if you can compete with Casper Ruud. Uh, that would be a dream, I tell you. <laughs> or Korda. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Korda. Korda is next level. Next level. But also Casper. Today in the, I saw him in the elevator. He went down with tennis back and goes back. <laughs> really? So, so it was a funny moment. That'll be you in a year. I Just don't think so. Well, no. <laughs> Me with the skis. <laughs> Do you still ski? Um, Christmas usually, a couple of days um, with with the friends. Uh, I really love to ski. I always I I feel quite safe still on the ski, so um, it's it's a good feeling. Is it a good feeling to be back on North American hard courts? Because you've done so well. You you had this great result in in Miami as well. Quite special to be back on these courts. Yeah, I. I feel like the hard court for me is the best surface. Um, um, I feel I feel very comfortable uh, on the surfaces. Um, I have good memories from from the last tournaments I've played on. So hopefully I can start off uh, uh, in the best possible way. You know, um, we have practiced very hardly in the in the last two two weeks. Um, and we made a kind of preseason, and um, and I'm happy to be here. That run in Miami that you had, the run to the final, what did that mean to you? Because it did show a lot of progress, I guess, as well. And a special win against Alcaraz in the semi-final. Yeah, it has showed me some very positive signs. Um, you need them because you practice very hard um, every day. And, and, and when you reach something, um, Obviously, it was not the trophy what I was dreaming of or hoping for, but um, it shows me that we are doing the right things. No, and I'm happy to 
happy to be in the position where I am right now. Obviously, I'm not that happy because I know that I can um, do something more, but hopefully I can show this here. No? Starting here, Cincinnati US Open, I know that, uh, that these are tournaments that I really love to play. and. Hopefully, uh, it has some very good outcome. So our winner, Yannick Sinner, taking his inspiration from Lindsey Vonn, Zlatan Ibrahimovic and LeBron James. Alex Duminor, meanwhile, sat down with the team from ATP Uncovered to give a pep talk to his younger self. Hello, younger Alex. This is future Alex, and I would like to give you some tips and advice for the future. Take it easy, not put a lot of pressure on yourself and, and enjoy the moment. And if you're playing these tournaments, it means you've got the level to play against the best in the world. So just believe it, believe in yourself. To not dwell on the past, to live in the present and have the memory of a goldfish because that's going to be very important because you're going to lose a lot of tennis matches and the most important thing is that the next week there's another chance for you to go out and compete and try to do well in the next tournament. So that's the biggest uh, thing I would tell them. You try to be focused all the time but it kind of happens that at times you get distracted, your focus slips a little bit and you're, you allow your opponent to get back into a match or play better or uh, you end up losing a match because of lack of focus. So the moment that you achieve 100% focus throughout the whole match and every single point, you will achieve all the goals you set yourself out to. in the business. Also very important, make sure to enjoy your life off the court. Do as many things as you can that make you happy, that make you forget about tennis. Because that way, once you step out on the tennis court, you'll be able to achieve that 100% focus. Go out, enjoy time with your friends, enjoy driving your classic cars, playing golf, going to the beach, uh, spending time with your dog, because these are the things that will really make you happy. Uh, it doesn't matter what stage in your career you're gonna be in, uh, there's always gonna be pressure and nerves, so might as well just deal with them. Ultimately, I would tell my younger self to embrace it. It's part of the game, it's always gonna be there, and you're better off embracing it. I would tell my younger self to learn from failure, and I would even tell them to not see it as failure instead of a, a step in the right direction. The important thing is to find what you could have done better and improve. Because ultimately, 
you're not going to be the tallest bloke, you're not going to be the strongest bloke. So you're going to have to find ways to win matches otherwise and that's all going to have to be mentally and learning from your mistakes and improving. So every day is another chance to keep improving, keep pushing yourself and keep getting the best out of yourself. moments are there to be cherished because you never know when the next one might be so make sure you enjoy the wins uh, as much as you can and enjoy every second of it that's what I would tell my younger self You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and ATPTour.com. Alejandro Davidovich Vakina was clearly tired when he took on Alex Duminor in Saturday's semi-final, but there is no question that he's become a far more consistent player this year, as he told ATP Media. I think this year I proposed myself that I want to be more stable on tour and to win more matches and I think I already did. The I did a half a year that we are already this year I and I hope if the first title comes I think it's going to be more easier for me to to have that confidence that I can win a, a tournament for example now I'm I'm playing a lot of quarterfinals and it's a, a little bit push for myself that I have to win that, those two matches more and and see if I can more like a top player on tour after that. I hope that high level is gonna be more consistent. For example, Monte Carlo, that was my high level, but after I didn't, I didn't did the all year consistent. Then I want to be, I. For example, I want to be more consistent on tour this year and don't do a top level, but to be on on my like growing my level to have that high. We are there to playing every every game, every match, and I'm happy for my for my level right now. And you never know when it's your week, and you have to be ready for that. And helping him all the way is longtime coach Jorge Aguirre. I think we start uh, was May, I think, when he was uh, just 11. And okay, we, we make a try, and uh, it was funny, and uh, we decided to start together and, until today. And so it was funny, so you just got on well. I knew him before. I was uh, watching a few matches from him when he was uh, seven, eight, nine years old. I, I saw him uh, breaking rackets uh, everywhere, and it was like, uh, ah, this kid uh, has something different that he cannot control, but also some talent that you, you didn't see in that moment in other kids. And uh, one day, I remember, uh, he, he came to my club to play a tournament, and we started talking, and, and 
suddenly we decide to start and, and I take the decision to, I, I challenge myself also to try to, to, to push to go to a great player. Well, you've certainly got one. Uh, I think you've said that he's like a volcano. He's got a torrent of emotion. <laughs> and obviously we see him keeping that in check a little bit more as he's grown up, which is a good thing. How have you managed to do that? Uh, difficult. <laughs> <laughs> difficult, no? It's like, a, how you say, like a racehorse, you know? Mm. He has uh, so much power inside, so much power. And uh, that power is uh, what uh, can make him go and, and find uh, his limits no? and, and, and show what he can do on the court. But it's true that uh, you also should be so mature mm -hmm. to um, manage all that power inside, to use in the right way. And like I told him sometimes, no, don't, don't have like small holes in, 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 in his uh, body that uh, all that energy sometimes goes out in, uh, in different directions, not in the direction where he should put all that power, but I think we are in the in the right way to 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 drive that power. And it seems like you're a very forward-thinking coach. Uh, you brought Antonio de Dios into the team, which is a sports psychologist and and your best friend. Uh, you've also brought in a fitness expert, Cesar Diaz, if that's correct. Yes, uh, Cesar was uh, with us uh, a few years. Now we are we are with Adrian. Adrian also was, was with us in the past. So it more or less the same team from the beginning. And Antonio, yeah, it's true, is one of my <laughs> best friends, and he's uh, an amazing psychology. Uh, and we are working together, I think, since the first moment. And what does he bring to the team? Why is he so amazing? Well, first of all, I, I also study psychology, so it's something that I like a lot to, to, to work on court, of court, but uh, I didn't, let's say, I didn't uh, work in a clinic, no. So I was thinking, no, I, I I need a good one, no, no, not a bad one like me. <laughs> I need a good, <laughs> I need a good one, and uh, knowing his uh, personality, and the way he see life, and the way he mm, loves to help people and to understand uh, the situations, I was thinking this uh, this man first can help uh, me like a friend to to continue grow growing etc and also uh, if I have players uh, I think he will, he will he will be like a very good um, image to them no so it was for more global and but year by year the, the pro, uh, Alex project was getting bigger so at the end uh, now he's all uh, just working with Alex uh, in that in, in a sport uh, also with one or two uh, thing golf uh, players but at the beginning was more players now more focus in, in, in Alex. And um, what makes a good sports psychologist, in your opinion, given that you're a bad one? <laughs> <laughs> At the end, uh, sport and life is the same. Mm. No, I don't think it's nothing uh, different. The thing is to understand the, the person, to understand uh, uh, Alex in this case, and I think uh, he's helping him a lot to grow. He's also helping me to make the, the way easier uh, in, in my day by day with Alex. So uh, understanding his personality, uh, I also have uh, weapons to uh, work with him. And uh, we three, I think we do a very good team. Because you don't want to take the personality away, do you, from the player? If they're a very explosive and like a tornado or volcano, <laughs> you don't want to take that away, but you no. want to work with it. No, never, never. I think uh, all these players that 
all, they are all tornados. If, if not, it's not, it's not, it's not possible to, yeah. to be here. Of course, uh, some players you see more, uh, they are more emotional, or another one, make, maybe they, they put the emotion a little bit uh, inside them and you, and you don't see uh, so easy, but there is inside. No? So that you can never uh, get out from them. Mm. But like I told you before, you should use them in the right way because otherwise sometimes they go, this energy go against them right. because it's so, so strong. So one of the most important things I think we should do like coaches is help them from themselves sometimes because that energy could be painful to them. Yes. And I think we have also more, sometimes more than the 400 back in the surf uh, help them to use all the, their power to help themselves, I think is one of the most uh, beautiful part of our job. Because of all these guys are so good, aren't they? They're top level. I mean, they're very, very professional. Every single minute of the day is designed to be the best tennis player they can. So then it comes down, it seems like, to that mental shift. Who can be the strongest on the big point? Like we've seen Novak Djokovic in, in tie breaks, where he locks down and doesn't hit an unforced error. That has to be a mental thing. Of course, uh, again, uh, all these players are amazing. Mm. Uh, and I think, uh, of course, sometimes you can see a forehand that is, goes a little bit faster than other, or one backhand, and you see, oh, I love the backhand of, uh, it doesn't matter who. But at the end of the day, these moments make the difference. No? Some the, the top players, you can see that uh, everybody, anybody can uh, go to a five-hole or to take a set to the to, to a top player because all of them are very good. But in that moment, the top players are ready to show their best uh, tennis they have, and the other people, the other tennis players, feel that. Mm. And when you feel, oh, this one is going to show me his best, you get some a little bit more tight. Maybe in that moment, maybe it's, maybe it's five, yeah, maybe it's five minutes that you get more tight because you f you have the feeling. Mm and they use it like uh, amazing and that's why they make the difference. Yes. So how long, uh, how, how has it taken you to change your coaching philosophy since you started with Alejandro when he was 11 to now? I, I presume you probably look back and think I made an awful lot of mistakes then. I'm a different coach now, but you learn as you go. Oof, it's a, it's a <laughs> very good question, eh? <laughs> it's a very good question because uh, I think in... in all the, the the different moments that you, you know, from the 11 and now he's 20, just 24. For sure, I I, I beat a lot of mistakes for sure. No? But in but in every moment, uh, I like to analyze what he needs to go to the next level in that moment, and uh, I try to explain Alex what we need to go to the next level. And we work on that. Mm. So, um, of course, when I look back, I, I can say, oh, maybe I was so disappointed after this uh, match we lost or, or too much uh, happy. After, and then from, from this uh, chair where we are talking now, uh, none of that matches was as important because at the end it's a process that we were uh, living. And maybe that's the, the biggest lesson we, we learn when we are here, right? that in the moment uh, we, we lost a match when he's 14 or 15 and, and then you think, oh no, like playing like this is no chance to go to the, level, the top level. And then if you 
understand the process and you live with intensity the process, we can be here like mm. we are. And the more I, I do some commentating, the more I watch tennis and the more I realize this game is a marathon, not a sprint. It seems like it's a, over a long time and it's not about tomorrow's match only. It's yes, about that's why we have started with Martin Fee, no? the mm. number one in world marathon, because I, I, I explained Alex uh, two years ago, like, listen, uh, this sport is not about uh, the match we win today. Of course, we can celebrate or we can be disappointed, but the whole season is a marathon and the whole career is another bigger marathon because at the end is to understand that uh, we play 28, 26, 29 weeks a year plus uh, the tra weeks training, plus the travel, etc. One year, another year. So better to understand that it's a long-term uh, work and uh, as soon as possible, all the team, mm. the player, me, the physio, everybody understands that is the, the, the way we live every single day with the calm, with the positive, but with ambition to be better each day, I think is the, the, <laughs> the way you can continue improving and and getting better. Yes. And the Martin you mentioned was Martin mm. Fizz, um, a world champion marathon runner who I believe is injured right now, but has been working with uh, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. And of course, the psychology between marathon running and understanding the intricacies of tennis are probably quite similar. Yes, because at the end, all the young players now uh, in, the, in, in life also, they want the thing so quick. Mm. They, they make a small effort in something and they want to... To, to find the, how you say, recompense? They want to find it so so mm. fast. No? They don't understand that it takes time and it, does, it doesn't matter if you try 10 times, maybe you, you find recompense in time number 15 or in time 20 or, you know, but the thing is that you should try to do your best. No? And, and with Martin and with the concept of the marathon, it's, like, it's not about being the number one in the kilometer number six. Uh, you should understand that it's 42 kilometers and you should be in, of course, you should be fit, but you should <laughs> understand that you should be ready in the kilometer 40, 40, 38, 39, 40 to go to the last two with too much power. And in that moment, maybe you can make the difference. It's not about go so fast the, the first 10 kilometers and then you cannot uh, arrive until the end. Mm. And I think the, 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 the tennis concept is something like that that as soon as possible the player understands that they can manage all that emotions, all that power, maybe better, instead of so much uh, in the first uh, two weeks and then they are empty mm. of energy, you know, it's something about that. Yeah, it's like coming out of the blocks and winning the first set six love, but then losing the last one six love, isn't it? Yes. I suppose you've got to win, uh, you've got to be the person that wins the final yes. point, that's what tennis uh, yes. is all about. It's about uh, be ready. In, uh, if you are in the last 10 minutes of the match, uh, close to it, mm -hmm. it means that your, the work of the match was uh, in, in the right way. So uh, better to be ready until the end. And if at the end you don't take the, the match, okay, but you were there until the end. That's the most important thing. Jorge Aguirre speaking there with Candy Reed. Coming up next, one of the fittest guys on tour, an American who's been talking food and fuel with ATP Uncovered. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Hi, this is Tommy Paul, and this is what I eat. 
I have a good relationship with food. Definitely like to have my three good meals and snack throughout the day. I have no idea how many calories. It's more just eat what's in front of me and uh, not keep track. When I wake up, first thing I eat is probably an omelet, but the first things first, I, I get my cup of coffee in, um, along with a cup of water. I'm a coffee drinker. Go-to order would be an omelet, ham, onion, tomatoes, no cheese, that's it. And then for coffee, I'm, I'm just a, like a black drip coffee kind of guy. I, I mean, everyone kind of makes fun of me. I don't really like fancy coffee. Like I could go gas station coffee and be happy. Yeah, I mean, I like, I like my pancakes or French toast on a cheat day. Well, there's not too much time in my uh, practice days or my match days. So usually right after breakfast, I'm going to get body work with my physio or uh, just kind of getting ready for matches. Does your breakfast change during the off season? No, not really. I think the only thing that changes about my breakfast in the off season is I'll probably be with my girlfriend and she, she likes to cook. So it's nice when, when I can have her cook for me. It's usually a lot better than like hotel breakfasts. I'm not going for a fancy lunch really, but I'm never really hungry around lunch. I mean, I'm more of a, a breakfast and dinner guy. Well, when I'm home, I mean, I'll go to Jersey Mike's, get like a sub or uh, you know, get a bowl from Chipotle or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm not really picky. Yeah, I'm, I'm constantly snacking throughout the day. Whatever snacks they have on, on site at tournaments, I'll be eating. They usually have candy laying around and I'm munching on that most of the time. So whenever I see something, I'm pretty much grabbing it. I'll go with Indian Wells, has the best snacks. I mean, they got the acai bowls. I mean, that's kind of a snack. I like steak, like I said, I'm, I'm a big steak guy. So I mean, a lot of meat, medium rare, medium rare plus somewhere in there. I mean, find a good steak restaurant. There's this place in New York and Miami that me and my friends go to a ton called Coat. It's like a Korean steakhouse, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a big steak guy. Cheat meal, cheat meal on a day off. Good question. Probably just a bunch of candy. Uh, late night candy is kind of my go-to thing. And then, uh, I don't know, when it comes to a meal, I don't really cheat too much. I mean, I'll, I'll go, I just like steak, so steak's easy. I mean, even on a, on a day that I play tennis or a day I'm just chilling, I'm always down for a steak dinner. I don't know, I'm not too picky when it comes to, when it comes to the food. I don't like mustard, that's about it. Which tournament has the best food and why? Australia probably has the best food. I think there's just a lot of options there. There's a couple levels to it and they got the sushi on the top deck, so that's where you'll find me. Spain is probably my favorite food when traveling. Uh, big paella fan, so Spain's good, yeah. What is your favorite food city? New York. Uh, I'm a little biased though. I like everything in the States a little better. It's a little easier for me. Uh, a lot of people would probably say, say Rome, but I have trouble ordering over there, so New York, I feel like, has everything. All right, perfect, thank you. Tommy Paul working on his energy levels, which is something Gail Monfils has never seemed to lack. 37 in September, the popular Frenchman is closer now to the end than to the start of his career, but showed in Toronto that he's still well capable of going deep at these big events. Recently, he married fellow player Alina Svitolina, and they've also had a baby. So how has all of that impacted life on tour? Jill Krabus asked him. For me, uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm going towards the end of my career, so 
to have uh, you know my baby girl is uh, it's 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 always tough for me. It's tougher for me to to travel. Um, I don't say it's easier for Elena, but I feel for me it's, it's a little bit tougher in a way that uh, it's been many many years. You know, I'm, I've been traveling, and now I'm just uh, settled down a little bit more. Uh, you know, I'm home with her and. Uh, Different perspective, different uh, still um, goals. Um, so it's just like um, a good thing. Let's say it's a good thing for me. Yeah. How so? How has your perspective changed? My priority, of course, for many years was uh, you know to be um, the best I could in tennis, and it is. Huh? Don't get me wrong. But my first priority now is to to know that my family and of course my daughter is. Uh, it's, it's good, uh, feel good, everything is great for her, and then tennis is second in a way. And you said you, you know, you're at the later stages of your career. We feel like you have many more years left. <laughs> I know. But <laughs> I know, like a lot of people tell me, tell me that, but uh, it's more um, the desire to, to perform at to, to a high level is, is, is very demanding. You know, most of people think, uh, you know, I'm always. Uh, super hype for, for everything but it, it's tough you know it's, it, it required a lot of discipline and even more when uh, you get old and uh, to get back from injuries is it, always uh, you know very demanding uh, mentally of course physically but mentally so you know I really hope I can enjoy a bit more let's say couple more years but uh, short more short years let's say but uh, I, I won't play forever that for sure. <laughs> Would you say that those are your goals now, is to enjoy it a little bit more? Well... You always look like you're enjoying I, yourself. Yeah, that's more stuff. I'm enjoying myself all the time, but let's say to pick a little bit better the tournaments I, I want to play as well. And, uh, and uh, of course, you know, uh, I want to still do, you know, it sounds like a little bit, uh, you know, I, I want to do well, you know, I want to play in a big stage still, you know, big matches. Uh, that's why I'm playing, so... Let's say at the end, I still want to have uh, those big matches, that uh, long run on, on tournaments. So that's why I'm fighting for now. Yeah. And what do you like best about this part of the year leading up to all these events leading up to the last Grand Slam of the year as well? Me, I really, I really, I really loved all my career to play in, in USA because I felt like the connection is uh, it's, it's strong with the crowd and uh, the energy of the people. Is great and um, what I love also is the weather you know it's always good weather um, I like the, the hardcore swing here is a bit faster suits quite good in my game when I'm in good shape so all this building to the open is always nice to play yeah well we always love watching you play and we hope you have many years left but best of luck thank you so much thank you Monfils still looking forward and so is American J.J. Wolf, who, as he told Jill, is excited now to be playing in his own backyard. J.J., thanks for joining us on the ATP podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. Now, you, you said a couple of things that I want to focus on a little bit. First, all the sports you've played. You've mentioned in the past how much that's helped you. How has, in particular, soccer, you mentioned the footwork, but you've also played basketball and, mm, baseball. and baseball. Is that right? Yes. How have all these sports almost felt help you feel like more of an athlete on the tennis court yeah you know I think um, I've felt especially over the last few years of just doing tennis that I lose a little bit of that kind of spontaneity on court where before maybe I'd do some unconventional things that would work out well and it'd make it more fun 
So now when I'm home, my trainer tries to get me out and do stuff like that. And my girlfriend plays soccer at Ohio State, oh, so nice. she's always having me go out and play play with her. Who's uh, better? So she is, for sure. <laughs> she's sitting there, so what do you want me to say? Her stats are better. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a big part of my game, and I try to remember it as much as I can. So when you go out, do you mainly just play soccer now when you in between tennis tournaments? Yeah, I'll do. A, I'll play some soccer with her, and then I try to play um, pick up basketball with my friends as much as I can. It's harder now that everybody has jobs, uh, but especially over over COVID, we we're playing you know four or five pickup games um, every week, and it was it was great for fitness and the cutting and jumping and just kind of getting different movement in. I think helped a lot. So, what made you decide on tennis in the end? Uh, so I had a long talk with my grandpa, and he was kind of explaining different routes that he thought him having a lot of experience in uh, coaching in the NBA and, and playing professional baseball that he he actually told me is like I think you can have a very successful career um, playing other sports he specifically said baseball he thought I could be a, a very good major league player um, but he said he thought I'd hate it he thought Why? I looked bored when I was out there if I wasn't oh. if I wasn't pitching or hitting he said I was kind of off and no man's land and I wanted some more action and uh you know tennis is something that you really can control um I feel like in some other sports a lot of things have to to work out for you and I wanted to kind of control my own destiny I didn't like losing a game uh because of something I couldn't control uh so there's ups and downs with that obviously if you have a bad day you know you have a bad day sometimes you can hide in, in some other sports and uh I think it's good uh to be able to get out of that. I love that. And I know you, you mentioned your grandfather, but I know overall you come from a sporting family, a lot mm-hmm. of sports people in your family. How much have they helped you throughout your career so far? And especially, I think, on the mental side, because that's so much a part of it. Yeah, you know, we, we have a ton of athletes in my family and a lot of different methods uh, that they've used over their careers and have talked to me about. But I think everybody kind of has their their own approach. The one uh, similarity that we all have, uh, everybody on the, the Wolf side of my family um, has one thing they remember before they step on court. And uh, I have a cousin who's, uh, he's very special. He can't talk. Um, he was supposed to never be able to walk, so he didn't have any opportunity to play sports. Uh, so all of us when we were young, we'd be told, uh, play for those who can't. You don't know how lucky you are being able to play this sport, so it's always a privilege. I just got the chills. <laughs> Does your cousin get to come watch you at all? He, when I was younger, he got to, yeah. I think it's hard to travel, but he would always be at my baseball and basketball games. Uh, you'd see him sitting there. My grandpa would always bring him, and he'd, he'd have a magazine that he would play with, and he really liked sports, so he would watch. Yeah. Do you, do you think, uh, I'm assuming you maybe think about that stuff while you're playing, or does it enter your mind during tournaments, weeks, where you're on the road? Yeah, it's, I think just when I need to feel grounded and rooted, I'll, I'll bring it to the front of my mind. Uh, but it's kind of always there with you. And then just talking more about these new experiences experiences and traveling and stuff, it's, it's not often that you have a player from a city where you have a tournament in your backyard. How much does that mean to you, especially because tennis is all year on the road? How much does that mean to you having the Cincinnati tournament? I, I look forward to that, that week, week and a half every year. You know, I... I must have been maybe one or two years old 
uh, the first time that I stepped into that facility. Uh, I got to watch my dad there and in various events, and you know, it was always your dad a dream. played there. He, he did. I think he uh, he's played some of the senior events there, and I think when he was younger, probably before I was born, maybe he played uh, some of the men's. I don't know if it was qualifying or what, but I was so young at that point. But uh, my dad was inducted into the Cincinnati Tennis Hall of Fame at that facility. Cool. Um, so there's a lot of great memories for me there. Um, but I really, I really hope it doesn't leave Cincinnati. Uh, there's talks that it's it's going somewhere else, and I think everybody in Cincinnati will fight pretty hard to keep it yeah. there. Yeah, it has such a nice community, Cincinnati. I, I always love that tournament. Um, tell me about, since all that history with your dad, the very first day you walked on to play the match, I, I'm sure you remember that. I can yeah. see you nodding, yeah. The very first time you walked out, just that memory of being able to have that history in your family. Yeah, you know, it was some of my first memories at, uh, at that facility, the Lindner facility, um, was when I was a hitting partner there. And I, I got to hit with some of the, the older American players, like Sam Query is one that really stands out to me. I hit with Roger there, um, Vavrinka, guys like these that I'd looked up to my whole life. And, uh, you know, they'd talk to you and you get to see how their ball felt. And I remember playing my first qualifying match there. I think it was maybe 11 or 12 at night on center court. And I think I won that 7-6, seven, 7-6. Six, seven, six. And it was, you know, only people that I knew in the stands. It was so late. Yeah. I think it was a Saturday or Sunday. Uh, so it was, it was pretty special. And what some pieces of advice, because I remember when you hit with Federer, there are some pieces of advice that all those guys maybe that you remember that really helped you get to the stage you're at now. One of the main things was just kind of live in the moment. And, uh, you know, we play so many weeks out of the year that I think sometimes they can blend together. And uh, it's really important to not let that happen and kind of take every day as it comes and and know how special each tournament and each different situation is because you never know, you know, when your last match is going to be. A great perspective. And you can hear JJ Wolf in full with Jill Krabus on the podcast channel in the next few weeks. Come back for that. That's it for this week. As we've just heard, there's already another Masters 1000 underway. The Western and Southern Open in Cincinnati. They come thick and fast in this American hardcourt swing. The draw for that event is out. And round one, I can tell you, is not shy of top matchups. Just to mention a few standouts. Seb Corder takes on Borna Choric. Karen Hachinov takes on Andy Murray. Alexander Zverev plays Grigor Dimitrov, Felix Ogialiasim against Matteo Berrettini, and Alex Duminor plays the man we've just heard from, J.J. Wolf. You can catch the whole thing live on Tennis TV. Keep up to date with the latest results on the ATP WTA Live app. And for everything else, there is atptour.com. I'm Seb Lozier. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the tennis. <laughs>